0: Horror movies are more than just empty thrills. They are a mirror that reflects the darker sides of our culture and our psyche. Each episode, we will go beyond the first cut and discuss the themes and topics that hide below the surface. I'm Dave, Professor of Communication. And I'm Vince, Professor of Psychology. Welcome to A Dark Impression.
1: Zombies. The infected that represent the worst parts of humanity, no impulse control or rational thought, no care for other people, pure animal instincts driving them to consume brains. Throughout the history of zombie films, there have been multiple permutations of the zombie, but they're often either slow or fast and either dumb or smart, or at least smartish. The zombies we're going to discuss today are both of the dumb variety, but their differing speeds create different types of terror within the films. Our first film, Night of the Living Dead, of course, comes from 1968 and was directed by George Romero. This is the film that brought about our modern social knowledge of the zombie and launched many a spinoff. Our second film, Train to Busan from 2016, was directed by Yeon Song-ho and stars Gong Yoo, Don Lee, Jung Yoo-mi, and Kim su an as uh, the little child Suan. It does a great job of showing the breadth of the performance and tone that can be found in a Korean horror film. So, Vince, zombie movies, zombies in general, I think the the biggest thing from a psychology perspective that stood out to me not having anything to do with psychology is the loss of all rational thought, and that, that loss can depend on the film. Sometimes they get bit, and there's this slow demise, sometimes it's like a... Switches flipped, one bite, and then you're a raging zombie or whatever the case might be. Could you talk about a little bit about that, about why that is so terrifying, and are, are there anything in like diagnoses or anything like that that
0: would mimic that that type of loss of rational thought? Before I get to that, it's... zombies is a conflicting topic for me for the horror movies, if only because. I was a really big fan of the zombies. And then there was this explosion of zombie movies in the early 2000 and the beginning of The Walking Dead. And they became really, really popular as this kind of uh, cultural phenomenon for the horror style and for like the modern monster. And I think part of it is when you compare the zombie, you're right, to other other monsters. The characteristic is this mindless, human-looking entity shambling or with the remake of dawn of the dead running kind of beast of a human and i think that's something that's really scary to a lot of people is literally losing your mind and go back to really basic uh kind of drives which is hunger so to answer your question i mean rationality is kind of depends on who you ask but it kind of is a veneer on top of a lot of things that we do that are just automated or driven by very basic needs. And I think this was perfectly captured in one of the funnier movies that came out in the horror genre, which is Shaun of the Dead, where you can see a human actually go about his day all on autopilot. I think our, our capacity for rational thoughts and rational control is something that we hold on to dearly. But that's a little uh, exaggerated in terms of of importance. Uh, But to your other question, of are there conditions that can cause this kind of behavior? Uncontrollable rage, yes, is something that that, that can be caused by a few things, some substances and some brain lesions. The rabies virus can also affect people's behavior. And so you'll get this kind of, of completely irrational bestial kind of behavior. Uh, so there's multiple conditions because, again, our rationality really isn't the bedrock kind of foundation that we think it is in terms of behavior. It's more of a, a an add-on, a recent polish, or the latest kind of part of the OS that evolution has shaped in us. So yeah, it's that's why it's so fascinating to see zombies because they embody what I think, deep down, we know is really lurking not that far below the surface.
1: I like that you brought up Shaun of the Dead. I was trying to think as I was watching this what my favorite zombie movies are. And I think Shaun of the Dead is probably number one. I think it's just brilliant, even though it's a comedy and not really horror. I Mm -hmm. think it's fantastic. That and 28 Days Later, I just thought they were like... That was my first... I guess my first time seeing like rage zombies, the ones that are like super quick. And it adds that element yeah. of, of, of fear to it and I just thought
0: that was a brilliant mm-hmm. film as well I would go for Shot of the Dead and I think of the Romero movies, the original Dawn of the Dead yes just because of the the sheer amount of social criticism that is included in this one movie just hiding behind the zombies their criticism of race relations, of consumerism of the American mall, everything was just neatly packed. So I think that was a wonderful movie for the the criticism. So I think there's an interesting contrast and I'd like for you to comment on that between this classic version of Night of the Living Dead and modern movies, which are, and, and in the case of this episode now, Train to Busan. How have Night of the Living Dead all black and white modern movies in color. How do you think that has impacted how people are, are telling zombie stories, the use of color?
1: Well, I think one of the things that immediately jumps out with that is the sheer amount of blood that you can see in right. color movies that you wouldn't necessarily see in uh, you know a black and white film. So if you look at Night of the Living Dead, there's the, the amount of blood is much more subdued than you would see in a film. Yeah. I mean, even even in later Romero films, it's much more subdued. So, you know, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, compared to Night of the Living Dead, they're, they they feel very separate from in that regard. I think the other thing that you, you really get is you can be more creative with the zombie prosthetics, the zombie effects. You get like the, it's not just, oh, it's a person walking around and they look a little weird. But you can really start right. to play with like, you know, changes in tone of the skin. One of the things that always gets me is when they change their eye color. I, I like to go with like the black eyes or something like that. I or the, the cloudy yeah. eyes. I always really like that. That wouldn't really show up in a black and white film. So you have to be in black and white. I think a lot more deliberate with the effects that you're using and mm-hmm. put a lot more emphasis on the story and the acting. I think color, you can really rely on the effects to carry some of it. You can, unfortunately, I think, cheap out on the story in some ways because of that. Not that, you know, some some zombie films certainly do, but I think the ones, for me at least... The modern zombie films that work really well are better than *Night of the Living Dead*. Like, I would, I would rather watch *28 Days Later* any any day of the week because right. I think it's like a mix of the story and the color and the the acting. It just has it all. But there's definitely some modern zombie films that are
0: just jumping on the bandwagon. I like the point that you raised because the, there's not much of a story in *Night of the Living Dead*. There's not much of a, a, a story arc it's pretty simple it's everyone's inside the house and they have to find a way to survive and it's really the movie's driven by this kind of looming threat and then you have the interaction between the characters that's really driving the movie as opposed to train to busan which was more plot driven there was a lot of, of character development as well but there was a, a, a more well-crafted plots with the train and the different cities that they're going through. There was a lot more to that, than I think the director and the director could play with as opposed to night of the living dead.
1: Yeah. I, I like one of the elements they share is that they're both locked room horrors for the most part. And I always really enjoy that. You know, you're, you're stuck in this space and usually what happens is the outside the, I guess, invading forces outside of the space and Trained to Busan, they're in a different car. In Night of the Living Dead, they're outside of the house, but they you, the, still the threat is there. So you have to make sure that the integrity of your space is safe. And kind of that horror is you or part of the horror, I suppose, comes from you don't as an audience member you don't know when they're going to break in, but you know that they're going to get in
0: because otherwise it would be a pretty boring movie. In the words of. The character of the brother in uh, *Night of the Living Dead*—they're coming for you, Barbara. That was such a creepy. I mean, wow, really not a good brother. You, you can't no, just. No. Could be better. How creepy is that? Well, it's
1: Pennsylvania in the '60s, so you got to give him a little bit of a pass, I suppose. Nothing against Pennsylvania. Nothing against the '60s.
0: But the combination of the two, yeah, that makes it creepy. Dangerous combination right there. <laughs> it's, there's, there's, it's, I think that's one of the iconic lines from the horror genre with there are heat. things that I will not say on this podcast, but there are lines from The Exorcist. And well, if you've seen the movie, you could pretty much think of which line I have in mind. You're going to need a bigger boat. There's some of those really nice catchphrases. And I think they're coming for you, Barbara, uh, would score pretty high. Uh, Yeah, yeah, that's a good one.
1: I I can't remember any other lines from the movie, and I just watched it recently. But that one stands out. You know, it's a good line. It's a good line. Wait, was there dialogue? Oh, yes, there was dialogue. I think there was. There was some grunting, at least. Oh, that was the zombies. One of the things that I really like about zombie films, and I I suppose you could make the argument for a lot of horror films in this case, but I, I think zombie films, at least for me, do this great job, and you mentioned this when talking about Dawn of the Dead, of, of, of handling social commentary. I really like how the us versus them mentality in the film can easily be overlaid on current events from that time period. So, mm-hmm. thinking about Night of the Living Dead, there's you know this element of, oh, I guess I suppose like civil rights involved. Like kind of that us versus them, you have a you have a black guy in the film, and he's not uh, being stereotyped, which is I think relatively rare for the time. You know, not unheard of, but certainly you would see a lot more stereotypical characters of ethnic descent than you would not. And then in in terms of Train to Busan, I really I really enjoyed the kind of parable for the Korean War and the invasion of North Korea how that was stopped Mm -hmm. at Busan and the zombie invasion was also stopped at Busan and they were kind of driven back from that place. Uh, And I just, I just wanted to comment on that. I really, I really enjoy how when zombie films work that way. I think that's, it's an easy way to
0: relate to your viewers. Yeah. So social psychology is not my primary field, but I think that had I not gone into the field I went into, which is the biological aspect, social psych would have been something that I would have been really interested in in studying. And that how easy it is for human beings as gregarious animals to form an in-group, like this is us, and then you trace a line, and this is them. That's, I think, what the, the zombie style of stories really brings to the forefront is when you have this massive, mindless, external threat that puts pressure on people, you have two options. So either you try to form one large group to protect yourself against this uh, larger threat, or more likely, there's going to be a subgroup that's going to form and try to get all the resources for themselves. And so you get this intergroup competition. And then you get to, to see all those biases that come in of everyone in the other group is the same. They're all similar. In our group, there's more diversity. So th- that kind of, of in group bias, you get this this dehumanization of the other. That's really quick to happen, and you get this this kind of a power tension as well of who is on top, who leads. And I think in the case of to Busan, which was what was so interesting is for a culture that is not individualistic, you have one character that's particularly selfish, and he thrives well. Up until near the end, and so you, for the whole movie, you're wondering, wait, so is is being selfish actually the better option? Like you're always told to to be courageous and protect people, and 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 then there he is, this completely selfish jerk, and he thrives. And I I just thought that was really that was an interesting social commentary on the fact that yeah. Selfishness will get you far, and loyalties disappear really quickly when there's this kind of massive external threat. I thought that was, I, I thought that was great. Yeah,
1: I, I actually have that a very similar note in when I was watching it, I made, but actually similar in the way that I talked about selfishness, but mm-hmm. I, I believe the, the opposite of it, where it, to me, it's. Reminiscent of a lot of Korean media in that there is a push for morality in it. So mm-hmm. the the people who are greedy or selfish, they do get punished. The businessman in the movie, he... We Mm -hmm. wait for him and he does get punished eventually. In the end. In the in the end, yeah. Most people it's like they do something bad, they they get their come up almost immediately. But the the selfless characters, the ones that strive for teamwork, usually make at least in, in South Korean media, in this film too, for the most part, without spoiling it if people haven't seen it. But when when the characters that are selfless that have a change of heart throughout the film Mm -hmm. and kind of realize what being good is all about. If they were to, if they die, they get eaten by zombies, it's much more impactful because of that. Whereas we're kind of, almost when the businessman guy gets, uh, gets grabbed we're kind of rooting for the zombies at that point. Well, oh, not
0: kind of. I was completely rooting for the zombies.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know. I thought I, I ordering myself a us, bucket
0: yeah. of, of chicken wings. I was like, all right, I want to join in the fun. Right. right. Yeah. Something. He, he
1: he ranks and lower he, than the zombies in terms of morality. We're like, we can forgive them because they're brainless beasts. Um, yes. And, you know, then you have all the good he characters. Has,
0: yeah, yeah, no, he has technically free will to choose his actions. and But I, I looked at my notes when I was watching the movie and I kept writing, so is he really going to... get is, is he surviving again? Okay, so this is a morality tale for selfishness, question mark. And then a few lines later in my notes, it's like, oh, he's still alive? Is he not going to get... I, 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 that movie got me. I was really not sure how they were going to, to pull it off. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm glad that they stuck him around because it also gives us someone to root against other than the zombies themselves. I feel like too many zombie friends... Right. There's no bad guy. It's just the zombies. When you can yeah. humanize the, the kind of bad guy, then you you get this three way tension where you have the zombies yeah. going after everybody. And then you have the the bad guy, quote unquote, going after the good people. And so you mm-hmm. you have like more attacks on either side. And yeah. uh, again, twenty-eight days later, does this really well towards the end with the military and Killian Murphy, and now all of a sudden, it's not the zombies that are the problem. It's a really great way to break out of the us versus them mold. It's more like mm-hmm. the us versus us versus them mold, right? Uh,
0: which I us versus kind of us yeah. versus really not us.
1: I like I like that a lot. It provides yeah. like a, a richer experience as opposed to Night of the Living Dead, which was very much that. We're inside the house. They're outside
0: the house. Up until the end. Up until
1: the end. And then you do get that to come out. Yes.
0: Yes. Us versus us versus us. Uh, Let me ask you, though, because you're talking about this kind of external pressure of the zombies, prior to the advent of of CGI, zombie movies, and I I think Train to uh, Busan is also part of the quote-unquote older style you have a lot of extras that are playing zombies. So how do you direct that? How do you make it so that you get this horde of shambling creatures that actually accomplish that role of looking like this wave or this this kind of oncoming threat from a director's perspective? How do you coordinate that?
1: I think the first thing you do is hire Tom Savini to work with them. And if you can't hire Tom Savini, then... I would say the, the biggest thing you do is coordinate. It's all about making sure everybody knows what their roles are. So my, mm-hmm. my guess is in a, uh, a, a bigger film, kind of like Dawn of the Dead, where you have the mall full of zombies, part of the discussion is, okay, here's what a zombie does. Now you make, as an extra, you make your own zombie. You know, what is right. unique about you? Okay, you want to dress up in football gear? Cool, you do that this person over here is going to have an electric guitar. Great. We'll make sure that works. So right. you're not necessarily controlling all of the aspects of them, uh, except for the key zombies, the ones that will, right. you know, kill a main character or something like that. The really like the background extras, just shambling around. I think that par- part of that is, you know, discussing with them, here's how you move, here's how you behave, mm-hmm. but then letting
0: them, do their own thing as part as, as you know, that. that's funny because I don't think we, we, especially in horror, I don't think we think of extras as such an integral part to the movie because the focus is so much on like the, the, the protagonist and the specific antagonist. And there's plenty of, of horror movies. I'm thinking of the exorcist where there are very few extras and most of the intense horror scenes are between The monster, so Possessed Reagan, and then either the priest or the mom. I'm thinking Halloween or slasher movies. It's the killer and the victims. I think of of all the types of horror movies, the one that might depend the most on the quality of the extras is the zombie movie. Yeah,
1: I think that's a great point. I can't think of any other horror film that would have had so many extras. Um, like, there, right. like a good zombie movie with extras, with, like, proper extras, not CGI extras, is probably very similar to a period piece. Like a Gangs of New York type piece where you're dressing everybody right. in a period costume and you're saying, here's how you behave, now go do your thing. And we're not going to bother you. And then once in a while, you end up with uh, like a Starbucks cup on set or something like that, I suppose. <laughs> but, you know, with the, with the zombie movies, I think that there's having the horde makes it. If you just have right. a few zombies, which you can see in Night of the Living Dead, where the, mm-hmm. they had a very small budget. So there's yeah. not that many zombies happening. It's like, well, why don't you just go out the window and run away? Uh, they're not going to catch you. They're super slow. And, and something like Train to Busan, where the, the cars are jam-packed full of zombies, it, mm-hmm. it creates a much more much more pressing situation and oh. uh, kind of
0: ratchets up the stakes a little bit. The scenes at the train station, which just wave after wave of so, so many of them that eventually the window kind of just pops and zombies just pour out of this overhead passageway. I, I thought that was, that was wonderful. But again, yes, I think it's one of those genres where you want to have real extras doing it and you don't want to rely on CGI and it's been tried and I don't think it it looked good. I think for zombies especially, you want to stay away from CGI as much as possible.
1: Yeah, I I watched World War Z a few, maybe like a month back or so, and I found that the CGI in that was starting to feel a little bit long in the tooth, whereas Mm -hmm. something like... Uh, Dawn of the Dead mm-hmm. Train to Busan even Night of the Living Dead the, the effects are still the same yeah. you know, Night of the Living Dead I don't think they look great like they're there, they're zombies it's not like I'm like blown away by the prosthetics Dawn of the Dead, I still think they look awesome Train to Busan they still look awesome but I think that that's all about the practical effects which we've talked about I think a few times on other episodes and just how, yeah, how practical effects, good practical effects don't go away. They don't
0: get dated. Yeah. It's why the shark in Jaws is still scary. Yes. And why the zombies in Michael Jackson's thriller are still terrifying. Because you can't dance that well while spewing blood. You just
1: can't dance that well, period. It's unnatural.
0: There's that. Unless yeah, you're Michael yeah, there's Jackson. There's that.
1: Or the zombies. Or the zombies, yeah, apparently. Because they
0: were tight. They were impressive. Yeah, they scared me. Yeah. No, I mean I think, I think that's that's, my,
1: that's fair. That's fair.
0: That's where my my love for horror movies started. Michael Jackson's Thriller. Zombies. Zombies. Oh, yeah, it's a good. Yeah. I, I, zombies
1: are a really good entry point into horror too, because a lot of times yeah. there's there's more of that dramatic element. It's not like. Halloween, where it's sort of just like one character running away from, you know, Michael Myers or any of the other right. films, the off, you know, anything that's much more gory or visceral or anything like that. I think that zombie movies often rely on drama. They rely on that yeah. sort of tension that you would get in a different genre of film, but then they right. just
0: add horror to it. And it's... A, style, a storytelling style where you don't need to explain. Like, there's maybe it's a virus, maybe it's a, a meteor that crashed to Earth and has some weird radiation, but it doesn't really matter. What matters is that the dead people reanimates, and there's something in their spit or whatnot that turns people into them. And that's all you need to know, and Compared to other uh, movies, I, I don't feel compelled to try and understand the root cause of the, the, the zombie monster. that there's, there's nothing. I, I think part of it also rests on the fact that the horror is tied to bodily fluids, whether it's the blood of the zombies or something in its bite and its saliva and the the, the injuries there's there's something just purely biological about it that is very scary uh, compared to other types of stories that depend more on a device that is more supernatural in nature than the zombie the zombie kind of feels real and There's examples in nature of parasites that can create quote unquote zombies in in fish and in some insects. So it's not impossible. It's actually kind of plausible and it doesn't require a, a huge set of beliefs in, in the mystical or the supernatural. It just happens. It's an infection and we're all sensitive to the, the quickness of the spread of infections that kind of taps into some very primal fears that we have. Yeah, especially today.
1: Uh, Would would you think that there's going to be a rise in zombie films after the whole pandemic that we are still going through? Do you think that 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 genre would lend itself well to kind of exploring some of the fears that we've now uncovered that we have as a society? Or do you think that we'd be more likely to stay away, or filmmakers, I suppose, would be more likely to stay away from it
0: Because we've just gone through it. I I think that the the zombies has such a strong moment in the early 2000s, because I think we knew it was something that was possible. Uh, The concept of the pandemic, there were smaller scales events with Ebola and, and with SARS episode one and with H1N1. So that, I think then there was a cultural moment of, we take reality and we amplify it. We've just gone through and are still going through this reality really amplified in real time. So I would think that, I, I, I don't know for sure, but my guess would be that the public would probably be re, uh, react as in too soon if, if someone was to try to spin something out of the pandemic into the zombie genre, I, I, I don't know. I think that people now want to distance themselves from this kind of fear and bask in other fears, like they did with with Fear Streets, the three eras. I think people are going for something that is more local, more controllable, because that's what's fun about horror movies, is you watch something, you get the thrill, you get the rush of adrenaline, but ultimately it's controllable. And at the end, there's a resolution. I don't think we've seen completely the resolution from the current pandemic, and I think we don't want to fake it either if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. i I think we're gonna see we're gonna see a response to it in one way or another, but i I, I agree with you. I, I don't think that's gonna be any time particularly soon. Uh, I think yeah. we're gonna see filmmakers start to explore it once, if ever the pandemic is behind us. Or culturally, we kind of accept it as we do the flu. Right. You know, and I don't think we're, we're there yet. Uh, but once we do, my guess good. is about a year or so afterwards, the first films are going to start coming out that will be publicly popular, not just like, you know, I think there's there's been a few that have come out since the start of the pandemic. But mm-hmm. I think that critically, they've all been sort of misses. But yeah. I think we'll start seeing some some interesting stuff come out, maybe in the next in the next
0: couple of years or so. But We're I don't know if it'll be zombie Fauci or if... like character with a baseball bat just decapitating zombies. <laughs> I'm interested to see what will happen and
1: how how will socially react to horror film that has that, that is dealing with fears that are I, I I would say much more pervasive than anything that at least I have encountered in my 35 years i don't yeah. i i don't ever recall anything that has impacted the world so so broadly perhaps mm-hmm. you know going back it would be similar to i suppose like nuclear the scare of nuclear fallout or something with the cold war where like it's just yeah. a known thing but I, I don't know i didn't live in mm-hmm. it so i can't say
0: whether or not yeah yeah Time will tell. When hell is full, the dead will rise again. Yes, uh,
1: indeed they will. And on that note, I think, Vince, do you have anything else you want to say today?
0: Zombies are a a genre that's going to stick around. I think it, it was overdone a little bit for a few years. and I think it got tired. I think Train to Busan was an original take on it. But I think it represents this, such a deep fear that we have of the collapse of civilization by an external threat that as long as we're going to have social order and a belief that social order can easily collapse, that kind of movie is going to get done again and again and again. Uh, It's just interesting to see how quickly people turn on each other when they're afraid of getting bitten. So.
1: And on that note, I think we will call it a day. Thank you, everyone, for joining us and for tuning in. Please like, subscribe, and share this with your friends if you want to hear more. This is going to be our last episode for a few months. We're on hiatus at the end of the semester, and both Vince and I need a break. So please join us. We'll be back in July. July.
0: July. July. Yes.
1: Okay. We, we will, much and like much like the dead, we will rise again. And we look forward to spooking you in July. Thanks for taking the time to listen to A Dark Impression. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Rating and reviews make the world a scarier place. Consider leaving one wherever you get your podcasts. A dark impression was produced and edited by Vincent Dave. All movies are copyright their respective sources. Music is from Adobe Stock. All rights reserved.